0: After years on the road, Toomey parked the van and picked up the mic to bring you this podcast that features interviews with people from hardcore to hair metal. This is Talk To Me with your host, Joshua Toomey.
1: Hello, friends. Welcome to Talk To Me Episode 6. You got your 6? You got your Episode 6? Well, I'm bringing you that, and my guest today is the bearded wonder himself, Chris Kale of Five Finger Death Punch. Chris has been a longtime friend, as you will learn from this episode. We talk about Five Finger Death Punch and their place in today's musical hierarchy. We talk about the new album, Got Your Six, it's available now, iTunes, Best Buy, I don't know, maybe a Sam Goody, if you can find one. Go to your nearest disc Jockey Records. I don't know, if there was a Tower Records, you could have been there for the midnight release, but I don't believe there's many Tower Records left. Uh, I'm going to take this time now to say hello and welcome, if you're a new listener, to talk to me. I'm the host, to me and I am grateful that you guys have stopped by. To check out my talk with Chris Kale. If you're listening now, hit that subscribe button on iTunes. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast addict or whatever outlet you're listening to me on. Hit that subscribe button. Rate, review. So subscribe, rate, review. Let me know what's going on. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Talk. That's at talk to me talk T-A-L-K T-O-O-M-E-Y T-A-L-K. At talk to me talk. Because that's what I like to do. Talk, 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 talk. I've also got a new feature on this episode. I'm gonna start interviewing other podcasters, kinda of spread the word about their podcasts. I've got a great old friend of mine. Uh, his name is Al John Goh. He used to run the local buzz in Nashville, Tennessee uh, every Sunday night. You can hear all your favorite local bands. Now he has some wonderful podcasts uh, the WDW Tiki Room, the WDW After Dark, and then also he has a wrestling podcast that you will learn about. Uh, so first off, we're going to hit you with the Al John interview. And then always, and always, always, stick around for my good friend, Chris Kale. All right, Al John, appreciate you coming on the podcast. Welcome to Talk To Me.
0: Thanks for having me, man. It's so good to hear you after all these years, for heaven's sake.
1: (laughs) The shoe is on the other foot now. Got me interviewing you for a change.
0: I love it. I absolutely love it. And uh, congratulations on your podcast and, and taking the steps and, uh, becoming an, an older more seasoned rock and roller man you know we've got the family and everything now and but you still have the boys charm and good looks, so good for you
1: thanks <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much for that all right let's get into your radio shows you've got the uh you do a lot with disney you've got the the uh tiki room tell me about that
0: yeah, yeah so i host a couple different podcasts um uh, uh, after getting out of commercial radio, I, I got into podcasting and hosted WDW Tiki Room. It's a show about all things Disney. You can find it on iTunes, and if you you like you're a big Disney geek, you like the theme parks especially, you like what's going on with Marvel and Star Wars as it pertains to the Walt Disney Company. It's family friendly, so you can definitely check it out and uh, get some insight into what's going on, Disney news and celebrity interviews. We talk to animators. We talk to uh, artists as well as Disney stars and uh, actors and such. So give that a shot, WWT Guru. And then the other show that I host is actually an adult st- uh, side of Disney. It's called WDW After Dark, uh, WDW standing for Walt Disney World. So we'll talk about Disney, Disneyland, of course, the parks, and we'll sit and discuss kind of like a roundtable, um, a panel show. Uh, so it's very morning show-like. we have news, we talk about comments, stuff that other Disney uh, podcasts don't talk about, you know, violence and things that are going on, ticket prices and just, you know, uh, what what is going on that we don't like. Um, But we're all fans, so we we share in our fandom, we just have fun, and it's very much kind of the same type of discussion that you find on Nerdist or Attack of the Show, some of those uh, Chris Hardwick type shows, and it's very much influenced by that, and the Disney fandom hasn't had anything but sugary kind of everything's good and positive in the world. And, and we just wanted to be more realistic. So this is, this is definitely more edgy, not family friendly per se. <laughs> so
1: so are these actually like Disney uh, backed or are they, or are these like just autonomous?
0: Yeah. they're Yeah. So uh, I produced these podcasts for the Weebie Geeks Network and Disney, um, cause it's not backed by Disney. Um, the the WDW Tiki Room runs on Sorcerer Radio, which is the number one oldest streaming fan radio station. So it's a family friendly show and the network show on Sorcerer Radio is all family friendly. And we do have guests from Disney and Disney um, you know, promotes stuff on that particular show. And then After Dark is kind of like totally autonomous. This is kind of like, you know, when when people pay for you to do certain things. You want to make sure that they're, they're done in a certain way. And, uh, and here we're totally unfiltered. This is, this is how we talk. This is how we are. Um, You know, this is not funded by any corporation other than ourselves. So uh, we do have sponsors, but you know, they, they want us to be who we are. They want us to be real. So, After Dark, WDW After Dark is really representation of that. So, and it's fun and uncensored, and that's what it's all about. And speaking of fun and uncensored, we also I also host a wrestling podcast called Pro Wrestling Cast with Stephen Anthony, and he and I are Nashville guys. You know, musicians here in town as well, and we both love wrestling, and uh, we've been talking about that forever. So, uh, we just talk about the different shows and shows from japan and the united states and things on tv and talk about what's good bad or indifferent you know so um that's what i do man just having fun sharing fandom
1: and when do you find time to do anything else with all these
0: podcasts i don't i really don't i'm guessing on yours right now so <laughs>
1: <laughs> right it seems like yeah if i'm not uh if i'm not recording an episode right now i'm editing an episode or i'm you know doing my 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 pre-show stuff my post show stuff it's you know, tweeting, Facebook—it's—it's a—it turns—it's turned into a small, small little job for
0: myself. But you know, it's a passion project, right? It's like when when you you used to come to the radio station when I was hosting. Um, we we poured so much time and effort into our bands and to promotion of our bands and to to get the music and the word out of our shows, and that's exactly what it is. It's all about passion. It's all about sharing your love. And the internet really these days makes it so much easier for people to get the word out uh, and to find other people that have the same likes, which I really, which I really like, which I embrace the new media, man. As soon as my wife got me an iPod classic, um, you know, seven years ago, I just loved what this was all about. And uh, I'm just, I'm glad that you're doing it, man. And and it is hard, you know, it's just like, it's just <laughs> like being a fan, but, but at least at this time, you, you kind of, you have your own, destiny
1: but you know this kind of you know it scratches that itch of creativity and music and it's actually gotten me you know it's gotten me reconnected with a lot of the old friends that i had a lot of the bands that i used to play with a lot of guys i used to play with so it's been it's been great so far
0: that's that's awesome rock and roll and good people in rock and roll um are have been hard to find um, and uh, you, you've always been like a really cool dude, and I'm just glad that uh, now you've got an opportunity for your personality to shine on these shows. That's pretty awesome. Awesome, awesome.
1: Well, that's kind of going into the next part that I had for you. But the uh, so you ran the local buzz for how many years? Did you run that show? Oh man,
0: uh, since 1999 to 2000 didn't seem like a whole lot, but I think it was 2009. 2009 to
1: 1999 so
0: 10 years yeah almost almost 10 years and before and that was on 1029 wbuz and before then you and i had met when i was working at wkdf when it was a rock station in nashville that was from 1995 96 to 1999 and then uh (laughs) as soon as i stopped doing that at the buzz i ended up podcasting a couple months later which was hilarious so um (laughs) But yeah, the, the the local buzz was a lot of fun, man. And I think some of my favorite interviews were whenever you you and the Twelve Volt Negative Earth came into the studio to, to be interviewed. You guys were so much fun.
1: See, it's such a crazy thing to like look back. I mean, I can't imagine doing you know fourteen years of of local, you know, of the basically a, a town's local show. But the one thing I I want to ask you is like sitting through those fourteen years of being in in the local, on the local show. How did you do it?
0: It's hard. Be honest, I, uh, KDF, when I was on 103 KDF, they were all about it. They supported it. Now, I didn't start the show there. It started with, if I'm not mistaken, um, my old boss, Kid Red, and, uh, his, you know, his, uh, staff, you know, guys from Joe Elvis, who, who are, these are national rock, you know, world here. So, Kid Red, or like Joe Elvis, and, um, um, I think Sherry Sexton at one point did something. I know that um, uh, Shannon did it, and and I was producer. Uh, I was a, the uh, producer for Leslie Hermsdorfer, who did it. Um, and I'm trying to think of, of who else uh, did it. And and, and they're going to kill me for 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 not leaving some people out. Morgan, uh, who is I adore tremendously, who's still in the local rock scene here in Middle Tennessee, they, they supported it all the way. So we went from like. Two hours to three hours. The show was great on Sunday nights. We had great sponsors and we took the show on the road, which was great. And then um, 1029 was different. Um, they they had Billy Block, rest his soul, they had Billy Block on and, and, and the local show, which I named, the local buzz is actually my name, and it was only an hour. And it was after six months that I said, you know, we need a second hour. This one hour stuff is not happening. So eventually they dropped Billy Block and they got me to expand into Billy Block's program. And then eventually it ended up being three hours, uh, which was really cool. And then, um, you know, so but it was just a long, hard road. And, you know, and, and I think the show evolved over the course of two and a half, uh, three years to from one hour to three hours eventually. So um, I, we had to prove ourselves. Yeah. And I knew that a three hour format would work and it would just be perfect, provided that we had quality bands, you know, that that would still submit, but it it was, it was hard because you had bands off at you. And this is pre, this is really pre-internet. MySpace in the nineties, late nineties was just getting popular. I guess in 2000, things started really breaking open, but um, everybody was living or dying by radio airplane and everyone tuned in, had appointment tuning in, you know, this like, okay, local buzz was going on. We were going to tune in for sure. Or, KDF's national tapes was going on. We're going to tune in for sure because everyone in the local music scene would tune in to find out what was new, what was going on, who was playing where. And hear some funny interviews, man. And that was my favorite part. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard because you had to deal with the politics and at the buzz in particular, and I can say this now, and I I have a lot of love for the people that are still there, but uh, some of the management that was there previous, uh, didn't understand it. And I think they may have felt a little threatened, that all the stuff was going through me. And it's like, well, that became harder and harder to navigate, um, which was one reason why I ended up leaving. So,
1: <laughs> but being in the, uh, Nashville local scene, and I was kind of out of it for a while, but was there a buzz about Paramore before they, before they became Paramore?
0: I think so. You know, I, I knew about them. Um, I would worked with, uh, a producer that produced some demos for them. And, uh, I think there was a little bit of a buzz. I knew that I knew about them, and we definitely played them before they they got their indie deal you know yeah. you know uh, I seem to remember them before you know before they they started doing the work tour so thing goes for everybody else, yeah, you know, I don't think that where you're from should deter you from making it in the music business.
1: Right. And I think a lot of that, a lot of those barriers are gone now with the internet. I think a lot of that, where you're from really doesn't matter much anymore. I think used to, you know, you needed to be from LA and New York, Chicago, like a big major city like that. But now you can be from Cookville and you'll be fine. Exactly right. I keep saying it on these podcasts, good songs are a good song and get your good song on a, you know, YouTube video and put it up on Tuesday by Wednesday you get a million shares and by Friday you're on tour. So that's the way, that's the yeah. way of the world these days, you know, all the young musicians these days are going to be the ones that have to figure out how just to survive and make money. The old model is shot of, you know, the million dollar record deal and the kids, the kids are smart and kids will figure it out. It might take a, it might take a few years, you know,
0: I've done, I've, I've been lucky enough in my day job to, to do a few of these YouTube conferences and, in uh, festivals and, it's amazing to me. A lot of these people really know how to market themselves. They know how to speak to their YouTube audience. Mm-hmm. But really, when it comes down to old school promotion and how to act on the radio and how to be interviewed and then also how to, uh, how to perform in front of an actual live audience, it's kind of a, a lost art on some of these people. Yeah, You know, some of these people were musicians before YouTube and kind of were bridging the gap. And I say this from like the first generation of YouTube artists, they were struggling musicians like you and I, and they found a way to make YouTube work for them. Now, some of these later generations of YouTubers, they have no idea. They just want to, some of them want to be rich and famous and that's cool. And so they turn on their, their webcam, they start shooting videos and that's how they get started. But they don't have the chops to communicate with an audience on that level or yeah. to own a stage. They don't know how to work a stage. So it's a different, it's a diff- it's a disconnect there, but they're slowly starting to learn, you know? So. Yeah. And there'll
1: be. be a trial and error for everybody, but once they harness what's going on and these kids will make their money one way or another. Do you remember, but, your, uh,
0: do you remember your first gig?
1: My first gig? Yeah. Um, yeah i mean i always remember my first gig Um,
0: Yeah. so so how was your first gig and and do you remember how many people you played in front of uh
1: first actual like on stage not at a not at a friend's house was uh we actually played at muscle shoals alabama Um, oh
0: my god yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) my first real show ever um some friends of mine had a connection to a to a club down there because we couldn't get into any of the Nashville clubs. We couldn't get into Lucy's record shop and we couldn't get into anything else because we were, we were too young. Um, so we drove down there and played and I'm probably, there was probably 15 people there, but wow. I could, I could probably still, I see a few of them still in my head, you know, <laughs> but
0: uh, yeah. And when I was in high school and I, and I played my first gig, I thought that it would be so cool if, if these people were turned on by what we were playing, we were playing a bunch of covers, maybe a couple of originals. But I just thought to myself, how cool would it be if they all got turned on by what we were playing and they actually responded and knew me for someone outside of whatever my academic program was, whatever it was, because I actually could play guitar. I, you know, when I when I play guitar, I could actually, I felt more empowered. This is where I feel the most comfortable in my in my skin. You know.
1: I guess kind of along the same lines of that, and it's kind of a funny story that I I still kind of think about to this day. It was the first time 12 volt negative earth. Mm-hmm. We we sold out Lucy's for the first time ever in like March, like March
0: '97
1: ish. Yeah, and, that sounds and, good. And, uh, and I remember we flyed like crazy, and we flyered, uh I fliered a lot at my school, but I went to yeah you know, I went to Hendersonville High School. Which is you know not not a thriving metal community, and uh but well, I remember looking in the crowd and like a big chunk of my school was there, and it like absolutely blew my mind because I you know I didn't talk to those people on a daily basis, and it's not like Hendersonville is close to Lucy's record shop, so it was you know it was it was always a strange thing to see <laughs> people I went to high school with that came to see my show that I didn't really talk to on a daily basis, but it's kind of that whole you know, seeing me in a different light, like you were saying, you know, your friends and stuff saw you in a different light.
0: And it was, that was, for me, that was just the cool part about it is, you know, playing rock star, ultimately wanting to be a rock star. I don't, I really, it's hard for me in the era that you and I grew up to think that anyone wouldn't want to to be that successful as the people you saw on MTV yeah. because when you, when you, when you put on a guitar, you, you get enamored with the feeling of, okay, you know, I'm getting ready to, to perform a show. I'm going to, I'm going to play music with my friends and we're going to take over the world. We're going to travel in a, in a 15 passenger van and ultimately, you know, make money. So we don't have to have a real job. It's just, it's just funny to me how, how things work out, you know? And,
1: um, Oh, that's awesome. All right. And, uh, just let everybody know how they can find your shows.
0: Oh sure. So if uh, you're down with this, you can find me on Twitter at, Al John Rocks at uh Also, you can find me on JedMousketeer dot com. I blog about a whole bunch of Star Wars and Marvel and stuff there. Not music related, but uh, Al John Rocks is uh, music related. So you can find articles and all kinds of stuff that I'm I'm up and around doing. So Al John Rocks on uh, on Twitter, and then uh, my podcast. Don't forget it on iTunes. So if you like WDW Tiki Room. Family friendly Disney show. Download that, subscribe to it. W2W After Dark, the web show is also on YouTube. You can find that on iTunes. That's the adult Disney podcast and webcast. And then Pro And that's where you can find me uh, talking about Pro uh, Wrestling Cast <laughs> and Pro Wrestling Pro Wrestling So, um, and, man, congratulations on your show. We can probably go on and on about the local local rock scene and more about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. Maybe it'll become a segment, our monthly, uh, yeah. you know, talking about our, our, our old days.
0: Yeah, you know what? There's so many more stories to tell, you know, and um, r- radio is not what it once was. But, you know, but hopefully everyone can out, get out there and still support local rock. And, uh, and I do on occasion. I still get out. Right. So hopefully uh, – Hopefully, people can still support the, their local rock scene. So.
1: Yeah. Actually you were, uh, you had posted this the other day about maybe doing a local, local buzz type podcast. And I think that that would be absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's something worth exploring, you know, I think, you know, I, I was also good with leaving the, the local buzz as it, as it was in mm-hmm. the hands of, of people that, um, you know, that I trusted um, where the show is now is a completely different thing, you know, than it was when I left it. But um but I think there's still a, a great group of fans like yourself that still want to hear that, and and if you're and if you're down with it, good. You know, subscribe to to talk to me and leave some comments on iTunes and say, hey, you know what? I, I heard John and Toomey talk about the old days, and I, I'd like to get local buzz back on podcast form. And
1: so, if you want the so basically, if you want the local show, go to iTunes and and comment, or you can go to Twitter to hashtag local show yes. Or hashtag local show no
0: (laughs) hashtag local buzz tag to me and uh, Anna (laughs) and myself Al Rocks, and then I'll I'll look at it I I posted something on my Facebook about that and I was thinking you know and so far it's a lot of people dig it so I don't know maybe you know if we have more people respond to it that's cool I'm willing to open it up for more independent rock and metal and uh, and not just from Nashville but definitely will be Nashville oriented for sure
1: (laughs) and then you know you need a fourth podcast so.
0: Of course, man. I mean, come <laughs> on. You can always talk uh, talk to me on there. Or maybe we could just maybe we can just uh, get a, a show together and, and figure out how to do the local buzz on on talk to me. How about that? <laughs> there we go. I
1: have That'd been be playing cool. music. I've been adding tracks to the end of it. I've, I've sent out you know a lot of feelers for uh, underground unsigned bands. So. You know, just, to, just yeah. tag, you know, I tag them on the end of the episode and then, you know, they're there if people want to listen to them type thing. So, so, you know, I got to keep, keep trying to do what I can do for the, for the kids exactly and for the people.
0: Right, man. <laughs> exactly. Bring music to the people and, and bring good, good, warm feels to everybody, man. I mean, music brings people together and it, and podcasting has brought us back together and that's awesome, dude. So, Sweet. I look forward Our, to hearing more of your shows, man. And yeah, definitely my old friends from the old radio days coming on your show. So I, I can't wait to hear them.
1: Awesome, Al John. Well, thanks for coming on talk to me, and I will talk to you soon. Right on, brother. Thanks, Al John, for coming on talk to me. It was a blast having you on. So great to hear your voice again after all these years. But now, for the time you've all been waiting for, we're going to talk to Chris Kale. And I have to say, I've known this man for a good twenty years of my life, and I could not be happier for a nicer guy to be in the position that he's in and to still be so great with the fans and to have not forgotten where he came from and not forgotten everyone that got him to where he is today. So it was great to talk to him, great to chat him up. We didn't have a whole lot of time. He had to get to a meet and greet at one of the Five Finger Death Punch shows and catch them if you can. They are out on tour right now with Papa Roach and in this moment out touring the world so without further ado mr chris kale chris kale welcome to the podcast thanks for coming on i know i've only got you for a few minutes so let's go ahead and get into this tell me how man my pleasure cool cool tell me how the tour is going
2: oh it's great we're out here with papa roach in this moment from ashes to new touring all across the united states had some really big shows uh, I think the biggest one was in uh, one of the Dakotas. About ten thousand people showed up for that one.
3: Wow! Nice big
2: outdoor show. Yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, we're playing uh, all arenas on this tour as we did with the uh, the Volbeat thing. So nice big crowds, lots of uh, positive response. Doing some new stuff off of Got Your Six, and uh, even on one part, I'm actually getting to sing a couple of verses. So nice. uh, my my vocals have have stepped up a little <laughs> bit on this one. So it's uh it's nice. I've always loved singing, and it's good to be able to have that opportunity to to step up on the uh, the main mic and do some more vocals.
1: Nice. Yeah, getting uh, in preparation for this podcast, I actually downloaded uh, you know, Got Your Six and was listening to it. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I really feel like you guys wrote that album for arenas.
2: Is that- 100%. 100%. It was uh we were examining our live sets uh the last time we were out and, you know, we got some real strong big hits with uh something like Coming Down. Remember everything, the wrong side of heaven. Um, you know, stuff that's kind of I don't want to say lighter fair, but you know all all honesty it is kind of lighter fair with that stuff. Great songs, but not real heavy. Uh so we were looking to have some more four on the floor stompers yeah. basically on this record, kind of uh kind of revamp some life back into uh, the live set rather than relying on the, the big number one hits that we've had try to get back in and to get some more stompers. So uh you can definitely tell that attitude on the on the record for sure.
1: Yeah, with the single, the Jekyll and Hyde single, I just, I every time I hear it, I just imagine the entire crowd doing that, the O oh,
2: E O oh, E O oh, part yep, and the set. That's, that's, that's one of the one of the great parts about that live set is them singing along to that for sure.
1: And with your uh, live set and with you and the the, the Kale Army, how are you seeing <laughs>
2: how are you seeing the Kale Army out there? It's great, man. I mean, uh, I started off I had a uh, an idea years ago with the the douchebag shirts that I've had. Um, that's where it all started off as far as the t shirt stuff goes. And once I get into Death Punch, you know, uh I'm a huge fan of KISS and uh, kind of a tribute to to them who without having seen Gene Simmons at a young age, I probably wouldn't be doing this thing. But you know, kind of a tribute to them and a, a tribute to the fans as well. Came up with the Kale Army shirt and uh, see a bunch of those out there. I see a lot of the shit this sons, the uh, the Cthulhu shirts. Uh, a lot of stuff out there. So if you if you wear one of my shirts to the uh, the show, I'm going to recognize it. I'm going to see you, and I'm going to do my damnedest to hit you with a guitar pick wherever you're at in that arena. I've been working out a lot, so I got some uh, some good guns that can get it to the back of the arena, even if you're way back there.
1: It's going to be a you know Jesus Christ. Good thing I can edit? You thing I can edit these? <laughs> Pull it together, Timmy. To yeah, no God. I'm so starstruck right now. I don't know what to do. I'll oh,
2: get out of here. <laughs> Ass.
1: No, what I was saying. Uh, you know, with all that working out and stuff, you're gonna have to get those guns for those 10,000 seaters, you know, and get those
2: get oh, the yeah. pick to
1: the back of the room.
2: Yeah, Jason Hook is is the king of uh, the pick flick. Oh yeah. And, uh, he gave me he gave me tips way back when I first started, and uh, yeah, I think using his technique with my uh, my muscle gain from the last couple of years of lifting weights, uh, I've, I've got I've got it down at this point.
1: Nice. So with <laughs> With the theme of you know playing larger venues and the arenas and all that stuff, there's a lot of talk these days about who are the next festival headliners. You know, when Kiss retires, if they ever do, mm-hmm. and Black Sabbath is obviously you know going to retire, in Iron Maiden and all that stuff. So, do you believe that Five Finger Death Punch could take that take that reign over?
2: Man, we are we are definitely poised. I mean, that's not never something that you would expect or or say, oh yeah, we're going to be the next Black Sabbath. I mean, fuck. I didn't think I was going to be the next Death Punch, let alone Black Sabbath, you know? Right. Um, But, I mean, we are in a position where we've got a ton of fans out there. Um, You know, we sold millions of records at this point. To me, bands like Black Sabbath, like Metallica, Iron Maiden, I mean, that's like, just in my own head, that's unattainable, you know? Uh, Those those are special bands, and I definitely hold them up in high regards on a shelf. Would I like to be there? Fuck yes, I'd like to be there playing those huge shows and 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 stepping into those shoes and, and filling them and um but yeah that's something that you really can't can ever expect to to happen it just kind of happens and that's that's based on you know the fans you I can't go out there and buy two million records three million records that's got to be on the fans I can't go out there and spend the money on the tickets to get everybody in there uh that's a natural organic thing that that happens and you know we're we're good at what we do uh we're a great live band all great musicians. Um, you know, we put on a great show. We're doing everything we can possible to, uh, to put on a a good show for the fans and get those fans out there. So as long as the fans are out there supporting, which they have been, and we truly appreciate it, um, you know, they, they keep on coming in droves. And I always hear about us reaching new people, even at the, at the level that people perceive us being at right now, we're still gaining new fans, you know? So I'm, I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. It's not gonna be for lack of hard work, that's for damn sure.
1: You know, with that and with that too, you know, congrats on the number two album in the country. Thank nice, you very much.
2: Thank you. Know. You're yeah, with... Number two on Billboard, but number one in, in physical sales for the week.
1: Number one in your
2: heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and the hearts of hundred and fourteen other thousand people out there.
1: So what is it about Five Finger Death Punch and Disturbed and, and there's a handful of bands that actually do still sell records. What do you think that mm-hmm. is?
2: I really don't know, honestly. Um I've, I've wanted that myself. Uh, again, 100% appreciative, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't, I think it probably goes into like, um, probably our personal connection with the fans. You know, we, we're all in charge of uh, our own social media outlets. So if you're following me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, those are all run by us. It's not some PR marketing guy sitting in an office, uh, running things. Uh, that's actual us. So there's, there's certainly a, a personal connection. And, you know, with social networking and, and the social media stuff these days, you really develop like a feel for, you know, kind of having a friend in a yeah. band and you always want to support your friends. That's about the only thing that I can think of that would, you know, lend itself to the, the record sales that we're having, aside from the fact that, you know, we're putting out great songs and, and great records that we're putting a lot of work into. But I think that definitely the the skewed view that if, you, if you're, it's like a, it's a blurred reality. These days where if you're a fr- if you're a, a friend of somebody on Twitter and Facebook and all that stuff, it's like you actually have a real friend, you know, um, and that connection is, is very strong with us. Um, yeah, we we're very active, very involved, and uh, we do have that kind of connection. And like I said, I think people just want to help their friends and luckily we got a lot of friends out there.
1: <laughs> well, that's the one thing I thought with, you know, when you first joined the band and, and you went to social media and, you know, wish everybody a happy birthday when their birthday came around. And, oh, I thought, yeah. and like if, you know, Rex from Pantera wished me a happy birthday when I was 15, mm-hmm. I think I would have killed over dead. <laughs> you know, had that happened <laughs> yeah. back then. You know, Gene Simmons ever wished me a happy birthday on my exactly. birthday, you know, something like that. So, yeah. you know, when you first joined Five Finger Death Punch and, and you know, you were able to do that. Uh, You know, the birthday thing every day and the Mm -hmm. Kale Army shirts. I really feel like some people would have joined a huge band like that, sat back and just kind of rode the wave. But I kind of feel like I kind of feel like you took it on head on, greeting the Mm -hmm. fans, you know, making the shirts, even all the way up to the uh, VIP base packages where you're you're basically giving a state, you know, selling a stage played base nightly. That's.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that actually came from uh, from I mean, most of the stuff comes from my admiration of Gene Simmons. I yeah. uh, saw him at the age of three and you were talking about the birthday thing. That was my mentality. Exactly. If Gene Simmons had sent me even a, a, a two word message, happy birthday, I would have fucking freaked out, you know? So, uh, I would never put myself in the, in the same scale as being a Gene Simmons. Cause again, that's somebody that I hold up on a pedestal as a fan myself, but there are people that, that are really excited about that sort of fan interaction, you know? And, uh, my My main goal with this whole thing is just to to positively affect lives and make people happy and kind of get out there and you know change the world through little actions like that and uh yeah it's uh I still stay up on it if i if I have a connection um and I have my laptop with me, I still do the birthday thing now it's harder to do on my phone, but if I have a laptop out and I have a connection every single day I still go out and do those uh those birthdays on uh on Facebook
1: yeah, I've just make noticed that. Through- just through social media i've noticed you know you you've connected with the fans on on a whole nother level and Mm -hmm. you know with the band you know and i kind of keep going to that but with a band of of your stature you know for you to actually just continue to talk to everyone as much as you can you know that's got to be taxing
2: it does get a little taxing but i mean uh, uh ronnie james Dio was talking about it forever ago um he was talking something along the lines of you know you'll never remember the names you'll never remember the faces but they'll remember that one minute interaction for the rest of their lives. It doesn't take that much to get out there and change somebody's life and, and, and make them smile. And if I can do little things like that all throughout the day, the the influence spreads and, you know, in a, in a world where so much negative is going on, I prefer to be a positive influence and that kind of a uh, kind of lends itself to that. Nice. Yeah. That base package actually came from Gene Simmons too. You know uh, he sells his, uh, his axes and, the Punisher bases that he plays on stage, and uh, Scott Uchida, who is my uh, string rep from Dunlop, um, he goes, "Man, you like Gene Simmons a lot. Why don't you start, start trying to sell some bases?" I was like, "Nobody's gonna want my fucking bass." He goes, "Dude, people like you more than than you think they do." So I put them up on the uh, the website. Cause I already had the uh, chriscale.com set up for t-shirt sales and whatnot. So I started offering the bases on there, and yeah, it's been great. Uh, real cool reaction. It's the bass that I play on stage the entire time. It's not like I'm playing it one song and then tossing it over to the side and giving that to the fan. It's the bass that's set up by my guy with my strings, with my specifications. It's the real bass that I play on stage for the entire show. So again, you know, going back to were I able to buy one of Gene Simmons' bass, even now his his basses are out of my pay scale. But if I if I could afford to get his bass Fuck yes, I would. You you sell me a Gene Simmons base for two grand? Hell yes, I'm buying that thing. It's insane. So
1: I know I know that you guys played with Kiss overseas and stuff. How, how was that? How was actually getting to play with Kiss? Fucking intimidating.
2: <laughs> it really was. It was a childhood dream come true. But uh, once you get in front of a crowd like that, you realize that they don't give a fuck who the opener is. They are there to see Kiss, and I 100% get it. I mean, we obviously had a lot of fans out there too, but the majority of them were there just to see Kiss. And uh, it was it was intimidating. Uh, the first night we went out there, we did two shows with them in Germany initially. Um, I forget which cities it was, but uh, the first night we were trying to figure out our set list and we were all like, yeah, we're going out, we're showing them, we're death punch, we're coming out with all the heavy stuff. Let's get out there and destroy this crowd. And this crowd did not care. <laughs> it was... And about three songs into it, you start hearing slowly the chant, we want kiss. We <laughs> want kiss. I'm like, fuck, a bit off more than we could chew. But then the next night, uh, we went out and played the, uh, the hits, uh, you know, the radio stuff. Yeah. And it went over, it went over much better because people were, again, there to see Kiss, but they knew the songs from the radio. And that's basically what we played. Kind of went with like a festival set and, uh, that went over much better. So we learned our lesson, not coming out, trying to rip people's faces off at the kiss show, just come out with the hits and, uh, Give them something they're familiar with.
1: That's another thing too with Five Finger Death Punch is you guys are on terrestrial radio. You're in heavy rotation, and this is a super heavy songs and super heavy mm-hmm. band. And I, I you know, I just w- I wonder where you guys broke through uh, to be almost you know that band or or uh, you know there's a couple of bands on, but you know for the most part it's Avenged Sevenfold, Disturbed, and Five Finger Death Punch, and then you get. Mm-hmm you know, Candlebox, seven, Mary three and live, you know, it's, it's yeah, not exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, a lot of that's got to do with our, our management. And, uh, we work, we work with, uh, Jackie Kaiser, who is, um, full metal Jackie. She's a, a radio genius. Got a lot of, a lot of connections. Um, just a, a very good, uh, radio girl in the sense that, you know, she knows what she's doing. She's got to develop positive relationships over the years. And uh you know we put out great songs that people want to hear, combine that with Jackie and her expertise uh and Jeremy's a real good radio guy too jeremy's uh uh i don't know what his background is as far as that goes, but I mean he's always watching radio charts and seeing what's charting what's moving where he's he's very involved in, in that side of things as well so definitely uh again, very fortunate and very very happy to be that band that's on the radio all the time you know as a kid uh you grow up wanting to hear that one song of yours on the radio that one time and to be able to get in the car and hear our songs over and over again. Uh, it's, it's still a bit overwhelming.
1: I've known you for 20 years and, and, mm-hmm. you know, just getting in the car daily and, and there'll be a five finger death punch song on the radio. And it's just, you know, <laughs> it's like, you, know, you can't, you can't get away from it. And that being it, said, it, you
2: know, it literally is like I live in an alternate universe. Yeah. It really is. You know, cause I still feel like the same guy on the inside, still got the same friends though the the spotlight is, is now much bigger and the profile is uh, is certainly more more global at this point you know but I still feel like the same guy and the one the, thing too big, like uh, big things are happening around me
1: you know and knowing you too and you know we'll get a little bit more on a, on a personal level of like mm-hmm. you know who in their right mind moves from Lexington Kentucky to Las <laughs> Vegas to make it in music and and then hap- and then it does like that's that's yeah, the second <laughs> part you know
2: like what well, was one that? Of the things that? I like to I like people keep on pointing out. How many people do you know that knew what they wanted to do at the age of three? And I'm in my forties now and actually doing what I wanted to do at the age of three. Yeah. I, I can't think of anybody that, that that knew that early what they wanted to do, continued to follow it, and then actually got it.
1: You kind of threw the towel in right oh, before yeah, Five one, Finger Death Punch. 100%,
2: you know you, yeah. you you had, you know, this isn't
1: the first time you've had a dreaded beard. You know, you mm-hmm. had the dreaded beard you cut it off you like yep. you know you sent me a picture of it uh basically <laughs> said you know basically said you were you're were out and then like a week later you text me saying i have huge news i can't tell you anything about it yet yep. and then like a month you know, and then like a month later you're in five finger death punch yeah, and so exactly. so that's why in those early promo shots of you you have like a a smooth trim beard but oh, yeah. you, know, you know two months before those pictures you had a you know you had the dreaded beard before Yeah. Uh, you oh, know it's yeah. it's a, it's a it's a crazy thing to think, you know, like the one time you're like, all right, it's over. I'm going you know, you're 38, whatever, 35 at the time.
2: And, you know, yeah, t- t- time to throw the towel in. I was either 35 or 36 when it hit. Yeah. So that's yeah, crazy. Yeah, I was think. ready. I mean, I, I had, uh, I'd cut the beard off for a new job in Vegas. I was bartending at the Cosmopolitan that's right. and making good money. And I was like, you know what? I've been doing music this long. What are the chances of, you know, me going out and being able to make a living at this point, I'm going to have to start a brand new project. I was like, I don't know if I got it in me anymore. So, uh, put my bases up on Craigslist, had my amps on Craigslist, sold a couple of different things. And, um, finally took that one last chance knowing the death punch was in Las Vegas and looking for a bass player. And we had a lot of mutual friends. So I reached out and took, took that one last chance. And that's the one that got me.
1: That's such a crazy story.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: But, uh, and then, yeah, you
2: so know, I mean, I, even in the sense that they had the, the pick of the litter at that point, you know, they already had, uh, uh, War is the Answer had gone gold, we had a Fist had gone gold, they were getting ready to work on their third record. They could have had anybody, I and mean, yeah. take a chance on some dude that reaches out on Facebook. <laughs> <Well, laughs> it, that's even That, yeah, that, that's how I reached out. I, uh, I sent Jason Hook a message on Facebook, and, uh, I was like, Hey, I'm your guy, look no further, I know you're looking for a basis. Um, check my check our mutual friends. I'm sure they'll all give me a positive recommendation. All I'm looking for is an audition. And Jason Hook, uh, with his inquiring mind, was like, uh, this is interesting and very forward. Let's uh, <laughs> let's give it a shot and see what happens. Might might make for a good story. It certainly did. I think it's worked out well for all of us.
1: Yeah, that's such a crazy story. I mean, just for the like the all of the events in everyone's lifetime to all meet up in <laughs> Vegas like that. I, I listened to like a podcast the other day with Zoltan and and it's pretty much the he has the most insane story I've ever heard in my
2: life. So which one is that one?
1: Uh, just the you know where he came from and you know making a oh, you know okay. made his first guitar on a out of a coffee table and oh yeah you, yep. you know and, and you know basically just having to to get out of uh, I'm, the country is escaping me right now but you know basically mm-hmm. having to sneak out of a country Hungry. to get to America yeah.
2: and yeah oh yeah, what yeah a, it's it's really crazy like the the life events that happened to all five of us. To get us in the same position. It's yeah. It's weird how life works that way, you know.
1: It is very strange. How? <laughs> so with him being from Hungary and you know, kind of a just a different background growing up, what's that? What's it like being in a band with him?
2: Um, he's he's very hard nosed, which works well for us. Yeah. Um, he's, he's very very Eastern European, um, Soviet bloc, takes no shit, uh, very very direct and forward. Uh, and that, that works well in this business. You know, I'm very much the, uh, the nice guy. Doesn't want to rub anybody the wrong way. Uh, Zoltan is, is hard nosed and driven. Um, always very fair, always does the right thing, but very direct, no bullshit with that guy. Nice. And with your fans yeah. out there. And in a, in a, in a business full of bullshit and bullshitters, it's, it's nice and refreshing to have someone on your side that's neither one of those.
1: Right. So with your fans out there, and you know, uh, with all of our listeners listening to this, uh, they know you're a huge UK fan, University of Kentucky oh, yeah. Wildcats. So yeah, tell sir. me, the the other life dream basically is you guys got to do Rupp Arena, but not only Rupp Arena, but they gave pretty much gave you the run of the place, and then mm-hmm. you got and you were there for a few days just doing tour production. What about that dream come true?
2: Yeah, I mean to be able to start off the brand new tour in Lexington, Kentucky at Rupp Arena. You know, we had our pre-production there. They gave me full run of the Rupp Arena Instagram site, uh, so I was posting all day long. As you know, I'm a social networking whore, so <laughs> take over the Rough Arena uh, Instagram account was was fun. But yeah, I mean that's a dream come true. Playing places like the Rockledge and JDI's and A1A and all those other places I played back in Lexington to you know Tops. Maybe my biggest show was probably 300 at one point that A1A. Um, yeah, to to go from from those to Live in the dream, doing Rupp Arena as a headliner. Even you know, yeah. the very first time I ever played Rupp Arena, fucking R- Rupp Arena headlining show with Five Finger Death Punch.
1: once again with the whole, just uh, the whole story is just like an unattainable mm-hmm. dream, you know. And and to, to headline Rupp Arena, I live in Louisville, so I mean, I hear mm-hmm. about it, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem like they do a lot of shows. Period.
2: So yeah, exactly. for, for
1: them to actually do the show, I mean, I'm sure. Oh like yeah. The, uh, One of the
2: coolest things too was that was they they knew that I was a huge Kentucky fan. And I got to take a, um, a tour of the University of Kentucky Wildcats uh, locker room at Rup Arena. I got to go to their training facility. Uh, they hooked me up with all kinds of swag. I got to go in and see the trophies. Uh, it was, I mean, really, you know, from a hometown, hometown kid coming back home, they really rolled out. I, I was not going to say the red carpet, but that's too Louisville. Uh, they rolled out the blue carpet for me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Lord! Yeah, speaking of Louisville, what the fuck's going on with Louisville these days? Oh man! College wars, and prostitutes. <laughs> good job, Louisville! Nice work. <laughs> Fucking that. The rock stars of college basketball, right there. That's
1: right. I think you're.
2: <laughs> we got. They yeah, got. They got. I made that story on uh, Kentucky Sports Radio on their Twitter account. I'm
1: like, Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it was awesome. very. Uh, I'm sure it was very, bi- you know, uh, biased towards, you know, Louisville too, no, right? no,
2: Not at all, man. <laughs> not at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, they got to compete with Calipari somehow, you know.
2: Uh, that's true. Can't, can't afford the pay. Might as well bring the hookers in, right? <laughs> <We're> nice. <laughs> oh, man. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that was another cool thing, too. Uh, With my state played base that I have, uh, the Spectre, I had a guy from uh, Vegas paint up a very special University of Kentucky uh, base for me. I had the five faces of the coaches that have won championships at Kentucky along with the University of Kentucky logo all done in, in a blue and white font. And uh, I can't say where it's going to go just yet, but I'm, but I'm, I'm happy that uh, this is going to be available for, for people to publicly see in a case somewhere. So nice. I'm not going to say where it's going just yet because I don't want to jinx it and it's still being negotiated to, uh, to get everything worked out, but there's a, a good chance that that base is going to end up on the wall somewhere and uh, available for everyone to see.
1: Most likely the uh, Hard Rock Cafe in Louisville, right? Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, that
2: that was the original intention. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I was like, because I wanted to give it to the University of Kentucky Basketball Museum first.
1: Yeah.
3: And
2: uh, But it, it doesn't exist anymore. I was like, well, I was like, wait a minute. There's a fucking Hard Rock right in the middle of Louisville. How great <laughs> would it be to have my Kentucky base hanging above the bar in the middle of enemy territory? Right. Oh, man. So, yeah. That, that option is there if the other one drops out. So you may see it right there. I, I can only imagine the mixed emotions of uh, Louisville fans going in there, excited to see the uh, the Five Finger Death Punch base, and then seeing the UK logo emblazoned on it. I, I want to be there when I see those mixed emotions happening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's another thing. When you're past, you, know, you you spent many many a year bartending at the Hard Rock Cafe, and then you went on to do mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, you were doing the stuff around the world with with the Hard Rock, and and then now to have your base basically hanging above the bar that you used to run.
2: You know, how does that how does that feel? Again, one of those those as we go down the list list of dreams that have actually come true. That's another one. Uh I I used to have a and you actually played this bass forever ago, uh a BC Rich Warlock, which is which was the first real bass that I had. And my dream always was to have that bass on the wall of a hard rock, uh, once I, you know, quote unquote made it big. Yeah. And uh yeah that base actually got stolen out of the garage at one point, so that one was no longer available, but at the Hard Rock in Las Vegas, right outside of the uh, Hard Rock Hotel, I bartended theirs for years, and uh, they gave me the chance to put my base right up on the wall um behind the bar uh, where I used to work. So when you get into uh into Vegas, swing by, check that out, see the place where I used to work at the bar that I used to work and now where that base faces, anytime there's a show at the Hard Rock, my wife and I always stop in there to grab dinner. And uh, we always sit right in front of that bass, and we were sitting there before the bass was even there. And it just happened to be, that's the spot they put it up.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our uh, meeting story is pretty crazy too, where, you know, my mm-hmm. band, my band opened for your band. Uh, mm-hmm. We had, we had line checked all of our equipment. I'd set my bass down to, you know, just, just to wait. <laughs> the sound guy there walks by and knocks my bass over, breaks my headstock. And like, yeah. you know, I'm a, 17 year old 18 year old you know touring musician with only one bass yeah. out and I'm frantically running around like trying to find someone with a bass and you were like you can use mine and you pulled out that black bc rich warlock and I was like oh my oh, god yeah. this is the most metal <laughs> thing of... that thing was weighted so terribly like if you just took yeah your,
2: oh, oh yeah you took yeah, your hands you off of it and and the fucking headstock goes right down <laughs>
1: goes right down I just remember you know just playing that bass I've actually still got a video yeah. of that somewhere
2: playing that bass
1: oh, so yeah yeah but good times so well, Chris, I know you gotta go. I know you got all kinds yeah, of wonderful stuff go. to do.
2: Uh, go ahead and just We're uh, coming up here in just a little bit. We're out here in Toledo and I gotta walk from the bus through the rain and the wind to the cold to go. Be with the fans. coming up. Cool.
1: <laughs> well tell everybody where you know, obviously about the new record and then where yes. they can
2: find you on all your many social
1: media outlets.
2: Uh, the new record has got your six. it's uh, the sixth record came out uh, a few weeks ago. I don't f forget the date already, but it just came a while ago. Uh, very very happy with it again. Uh, going back to to being a bit more aggressive and more up tempo four on the four type stuff. So uh, get out there pick that up. You can uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at number five FDP Chris Kale I'm on both of those. Uh, Facebook is uh, Facebook.com backslash official Chris Kale I believe it is. And if you're looking for any of the shirts or the merchandise or you want to get your own stage played bass. Uh, from Spectre, uh, you can get that at uh, it's That's dot com.
1: right, Chris. Well, I appreciate you coming on,
2: and uh, I will talk to you soon, sir. My, my pleasure, my friend, and uh, I'll see you back that way uh, sometime next year. We're going to be touring quite a bit. I've already seen the schedule and uh, know where we're going to be going, so uh, we will be in your area next year.
1: Cool. When we do that, we'll actually have a sit-down interview, then we'll have to get that together.
2: Yeah, perfect. Sounds good. All right, man. Be careful. All right, brother. All right, See you bye. man.
1: Later. And there you have it, friends. Episode six is in the books. So please hit me up on Twitter at TalkToMeTalk, Facebook.com slash talk. Once you go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, I gotta get those reviews up, I gotta get a high rating, let's do this, let's make this a family affair, and while you're there, you can go to my past episodes, I got episodes with Billy Gray from Fozzie, Frank Novinek from Hatebreed, Bobby Burns, formerly Primer 55, formerly of Soulfly, now of Murder the Flesh. And you'll be notified with new episodes like my episode next Tuesday with Virus from Dope. So, go hit up all those outlets. Get the podcast. Share the podcast. Tell a buddy. Bring a friend. Let's do this. Let's make this huge. Like I said, if you're listening for the first time, thank you. If this is the sixth episode you've listened to, thank you. And also, I just want to say that I've seen the where in the world the downloads are taking place. And I have to say, my mind is blown when I see that people are listening in Saudi Arabia. People are listening in Thailand. There are people listening to talk to me in Ireland. Ireland, the home of the name to me. How cool is that? But, with all that being said, I'd like to thank everyone who's listening, no matter where you are, no matter where you are in this world. If you're down the street from me, please don't tell me because that's kind of creepy. If you're down the street, down the block, across the state, across the country, across the world, the podcast has gone global. Just like Billy Gray, it's global. Thank you for listening, and in the spirit of Al John and the local buzz... I'm going to leave you with She Said Fire, a great band, great, great band. Go check them out. This song, Matchstick Anthem. And until next Tuesday, be kind to one another.